temperature test him. He's been hot. Can you believe it? Eddie's back. All hail Eddie. What about this from ball inside? 50 Cottrell. From nowhere. Cottrell from 45 directly in front. The Blues are up by Kiki Fabulous. Have a look at him. Back there for Cripps. Spins out of traffic. Through one. Pass another. Jones his class. Gets it back from Betts. G'day Blue Baggers and welcome to the Blues Footy Podcast. It is your host Jed Zetzer and I'm here with my co-host Harrison Hyman's Bolt. The last match review of the year. Let's get it underway. Thank God. <laughs> it's come to a quick end, hasn't it? The season. It, it just sort of quickly. unfolded and unraveled very quickly in the last month. And you'd expect a lot of wholesale changes to come in the next couple of months. Oh, I thought you were going to say days. No, oh, you know, in the next couple of months, there's going to be players leaving. There's no, going to be will. coaches leaving. There's going to be people at the club leaving. You know, there's going to be a lot of changes and there's going to be a lot of people coming in. So, you know, we will be here over the off season to absolutely keep everyone up to date with what's happening at the club as best as we can. But Bolt, just before we bring in our very special guest for the show this week, initial thoughts on last night's performance, because it wasn't as ugly I think, as we may have expected. No, it definitely wasn't as ugly as we expected on the scoreboard. It was just very grim. It was just... It was, we've played very boring footy this year. Like, yeah. Like a lot of our games have been very, very just... Bland. Boring, bland. And last night was no different. Although we were never blown out. It never really looked like we we're going to win. It's just been the narrative of a lot of our losses. And even and we teased. I think we got it back to within 13 points. So I was going to say, we got it back. I, we, were, we were within three goals with seven minutes on the clock. And yeah. I said to my dad, I looked at him and I said, like, surely, like, surely they think that they can win this. But you just look at them. And I you think, ju- you was just it O'Brien didn't... that ran in and missed from about 45 out? It was yeah, a bad miss. Yeah, yeah. Like, that was the one probably. As in like, I just looked at it and I go, well, you know, we're actually really in with a shot here. And you just didn't feel like it. No. There wasn't that energy. There wasn't that buzz. No, um, it was very tough to watch. Yeah. Anyways, Bolt, let's bring in our special guest. Blue Bag, is, it is now time to welcome in our very special guest for the show this week. He's an extremely passionate Blue Bagger. And he's devoted so much time to the football club and the cheer squad. Nick Wishart, it's an absolute pleasure. Welcome to the Blues Footy Podcast. Thank you so much for having me, gents. What a uh, what a week we've had in footy, eh? Mate, a week is a long time in footy uh, at the best of times. And Carlton aside for a second, the actual weekend of yesterday's games were unbelievable. Huge, wasn't it? Oh. Unbelievable games. Yeah, I agree. Amazing. The theatre involved was just amazing. And I mean, we missed one of the games. I I do admit I went after the game straight away, watched the last quarter again of Melbourne Geelong. And wow, it was beautiful. But uh, Nick, we've brought you on to talk Carlton, mate. Just before we get stuck into things, initial reactions, I guess, and thoughts after last night's match. Um, 
look, I'm going to be really honest. I thought yesterday was a pretty honest uh, showing from the guys. So I've got to say, um, in true Carlton uh, under the Teague era fashion, they still give up a five goal run to the opposition. Um, but outside that, I thought they were pretty okay over four quarters. There's no one who played yesterday that I think were, you know, terrible by any means. I thought everyone was just okay or better. Um, I, On the whole, I didn't necessarily see yesterday's performance as something that I'd be going home uh, and tearing my hair out apart, you know, just like the week before or something like that. It was hardly on that level, but not that I hate the term honourable loss, but, uh, yeah, I thought yesterday was one of the more just okay performances I've seen in a while from this group. I agree. I think okay is the word. It was just, it was, it was just standard. It was just... Yeah. I was saying to Jed just before you jumped on, it was one of those games where, although the scoreboard had us in the game, you never really felt like we we're going to overrun them and win at the end. You just... Of course. Um, which is, yeah, once again, very reminiscent of the David Teague era. You give up big leads, you tease late, and you don't win. But... That's literally what it's been about all year. But, you know, it yeah. just... It was just bland. I don't know. It... it, 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 it I know, look, I expected us to lose by way more, but it still didn't get me very excited. I, I don't know. When we when we got that lead, I think we got up to 21-point lead maybe yeah. in the second quarter. It was literally after that goal. It might have been McGovern that got the goal. I can't remember off the top of my head. But we went back to the centre circle. I remember saying to my fiancé, Mish, yesterday, I said, by the way, this is at the exact point last week yeah. where Port Adelaide turned it on. And sure enough, it was at that exact point where GWS did. And when it happened, I didn't necessarily feel upset i almost expected it to happen um generally when we give that lead i'd even get you know frustrated i think at the end of the year we're just all resigned to the fact that okay well it is what it is now and we're almost just biding time until another off season of putting our hope and uh hope and faith into another off season but uh hopefully this time we're a bit different than previous years Mm. Yeah, I have to agree. I mean, look, this off-season, we say it every single year. We said it last year, but this year is serious. I mean, this is as crucial as it gets. You feel as if... For me, this is last chance saloon. Well, that's what I was going to say. This this is do or die. I mean... Strongly agree. Yeah, if if they don't nail this off-season, it's almost a where to now because it's like, it's, you know... You don't want to fully rebuild it. You don't yeah. bolt. You've been hot on this. You well, don't always good. have to bottom out. Yeah, no. but um, well, we tried that. We tried that with Bolton. Yeah, um, we, we've tried that and, like three times, bottoming yeah. out. Uh, it's just unnecessary. Yes. So yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I mean, there's going to be it's going to be hard to bring in players. You know, the club right now is extremely you know unappealing from an opposing mm-hmm. players' point of view. Why would anyone? one to come to us and you know we've we've thrown a lot of money out at other players we probably don't have an enormous amount of money left so it's going to be really difficult to lure players to the club so they're going to have to be very shrewd they're going to be have to be very clever with their dealings in terms of bringing players in and well, I, th- I think Chera looks like a go though you think- uh, I'm, not, I'm not I'm not against the idea of spending money on players as long as they're the right players yeah exactly um, obviously to, to bring players into the club you've got to spend you know, you got to pay up to get them. Um, so I'm not against the idea, but there's got to be the right players. And if Chara is that player, then possibly. I think what I've seen of him, I really like. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. You got to say when you the word you use was shrewd. Um, 
yep, bringing them in is one thing, um, but what do we pay to get them in, whether it's salary or draft picks or players, whatever. Um, but, yeah, it's a real key year. Uh, Nick Austin's got his work cut out, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Now, let's we're going to get stuck into uh, all the off-season happenings later in the show, and we'll really dive deep into that. But before we do, we do have a game to review. So just very quickly, Nick, I want to ask you, what were your thoughts on some of our younger players last night who are probably, I mean, a few of them definitely playing for their careers. We'll start off with Lockie O'Brien. Now, he's been starved of opportunity for the better part of this year, and he's been given a crack the last month. Yeah. I'd like to know, firstly, what you thought of his performance last night, and then, secondly, uh, do you think he'll be at the club next year, and do you think what we've seen in the last month is enough to build on? Um, I'll start by prefacing that I've been one of his biggest critics over the journey. Um, by the start of this year and up until about a month or so ago, I had him written off as a player at Carlton. I think his last month, he's kind of teased. He's shown glimpses. The the game against St Kilda, granted we were playing against Witches Hats, but the game against St Kilda, I thought he was fantastic. His delivery inside 50 was refreshing. I haven't seen it from anyone at our club in a long time. Yep. Um, Yesterday, again, a handful of his deliveries inside 50 were very good and he was probably the the best uh, one delivering it inside 50 as out of the group as a whole. There's just... The glimpses are just few and far between is still my criticism. Um, there was one effort at the other end, which I think the commentators, it might have been Dermot, uh, highlighted he had a shot on goal from about 30 metres out on his, on his left foot, which is a left footer, and yes. he just didn't nail it. And that's the sort of thing that ultimately, if you're going to be in our best 22, you've got to hit them. Um, he also missed one running in with it, from about 45 out deep in the last yeah. quarter to get it within single yes. digits. yes. Um, look, he's he's shown more than I thought he had in the last month. Um, I think he might just stay. Obviously, it depends on who the coach is. Um, but I think he's, there's enough there to work with, and I'll put my hand up and say that, you know, I didn't necessarily see it up until a month ago. Um, what works in his favour is that I think the other people vying for his position, no one else has really put their hand up and claimed it, whether it's Nunes or Cottrell. Um, Doc, well, Doherty's got his health issues now as well, but Doherty kind of midway through the season seemed to be doing okay on a wing. Yep. Um, and then Petrovsky Seedon's yeah. the other one. Well, and Samo's the other one. And then, again, whoever the new coach, they might come in and say, no, actually, Samo, I do want you here. You are someone that I think I can, you know, get the best out of. Um, but I think that'll play a big factor in it, yeah. Yeah, no, look, I, I completely agree. I actually agree with pretty much everything you've said there. And I think a good way to summarize it is the fact that we've probably seen his best football in the last month. I think this is, this is definitely the best we've seen of him. It's Mm. just, you know, a matter of, is it, you know, just because it's the best, is it good enough? You know, are we, are we maybe, you know, I don't think we're getting carried away at all. I think maybe some people might be getting carried away because now we've actually seen something rather than nothing. But is is it enough? Is it enough? He has to, he has to, he has to progress from glimpses to matches, really. Absolutely. Like, that's what we need. He's played 41 games now. So it's almost like he can't be excused, really. And that's fair. 
I don't think he's the only one in that boat. There's been no, no. But at the start of this year, I would have had someone like a Cunningham in the same boat. I've seen glimpses of brilliance from him, but there was yeah. just no four-quarter consistent. And the start of this year, and it's just terrible that he did his knee when he did. I know. He's just started to look very good. And he went into the midfield, and I thought to myself, crap, we found a player here that, you know, he might just be that point of difference in the midfield with that bit of speed that might actually really, really drive us forward. And then he got injured. So... O'Brien might just be another player like that. As you say, though, is it enough to keep him in on the list or is it enough for where we need to get to? They're probably two different questions, I reckon. Yeah, I, I think a new coach helps O'Brien significantly. Huge, yeah. I think if Teague was to stay on, I think it would spell trouble for O'Brien, but yep. a fresh face, I reckon, would be happy to take him on. Hmm. Yeah, no, I, I do agree. Uh, Nick, the next one I want to ask you about, it's actually, I'll, 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 I'll put him into a little bit of a group. Uh, the Young Brigade last night. So I'll put Kemp, Honey, and Durden into a little group. What were your thoughts on them? And uh, did they get you excited in the last month? Um, Durden and Honey with limited opportunity. The ball wasn't exactly firing down inside our 50. Um, but again, glimpses of what we drafted them for and what the future might hold. Um now, I don't think Honey got a goal, but there was one moment that I really saw that I ended up almost getting out of my chair for. He got the ball and he kind of gathered a, a half-volley crumb. Yes. And the acceleration and the power in the drive of his run, he just accelerated and got a handball off. And I think it might have been a goal kicked, kind of a sink now, who kicked it. But, but um, I believe it was the second Second quarter, quarter. yeah. Um, he got a goal assist to his handball. But um, I remember looking at that and saying, well, crap, that's the, again, he's a real powerful bloke. Um, I think he can do it on the ground and in the air. Over the past couple of weeks, yeah, he's shown me enough to get really excited. And on the VFL form I've seen as well, I think he seems like a player. Uh, Durden's pace is something I haven't seen in a while at Carlton. Um Mm. I remember before he got drafted, the video of him before he got drafted from his Sandful days, um, all I could think of is Jeffy Garlett. There was one or two where he just got the ball, looked behind him and said, well, whoever you are, you can't catch me, and just took off like Roadrunner. Yep. Um, and again, there's plenty there. He still needs to fill out, but that's okay. He will. He's only young. Yeah. Um, but plenty to look forward to. And the other one you mentioned, Kemp, well, I thought for a second game, the composure he showed was... Uh, fantastic um, in, in different sorts of composure. There was a handful of spoils and marking contests that I thought were very good. There was moments where he kept his feet in, against opponents with big, strong bodies. Um, the the pirouette and turn through the middle was mm. like I was playing uh, Madden 21 or something <laughs> on my PlayStation. He, he, he hit the right-hand joystick and just went and took off. And the kick was a terrible shank, but that willingness for a second gamer to take the game on and literally run up the guts... Um, yeah, so it was just Polish. He lacked Polish. So refreshing to see. Yeah. Um, and I think he might actually look like a defender as well. We were all wondering. We kind of drafted him knowing he could play forward, back or mid. Um, in only two games, he's shown for me enough to make me think, well, if there's a spot available down there, he might be a likely defender moving forward. So, yeah, well, this is, Bolt and I will give our thoughts on those three in a moment. But just before yeah. we do, I want to ask you more about Kemp. I mean... I think the question 
everyone wants to know is where where is he going to play going forward? Because Absolutely. when we drafted him, I think they may have teased us a little bit and they built him up as this tall midfield prospect. Yeah, since, since he's uh, really played, it's it's been all as a key defender. I mean, is that where he's going to spend his career or is this maybe a stepping stone to move into the midfield or maybe be a swingman? Because I agree, the composure... He, he yeah. almost reminds me a little bit about Weedering, like that similar yes. type of compo- composure. Yep. Yeah, I, I think you're a bit bang on with Weedering uh, comparison. What I thought was a bit Jake Lever was the one I thought was the same sort of uh, guy. He It all depends on a fit list. So if Marchbank gets back to fitness and is able to play footy, well, is there room for him there? Then if there is a spot for him, does that move potentially Kemp up the ground? Does that mean, um, now Stock has had a year or two as a defender, and I think he's looking pretty solid down there as well. Yeah. But obviously, a lot of people want to see him move up the ground. Well, if he was to move into the midfield, Stocker, his spot might become available for a Kemp. Um, but I didn't see anything of him yesterday that makes me think he wouldn't be a good option down back. Um, obviously, we're still yet to see what he looks like in the midfield. Um, but I reckon that that opportunity was likely to come. Yeah, look, again, so many of these, the, the cop-out answer is, well, it depends on a new coach. But, um, you know, we might have a coach who comes in and says, well, that swingman role, he might become the next Jared Waite or something. I can put you forward, I can put you back. Depending on the circumstances each week, you might have a different position. Um, yeah. I've never been a fan of the young swingman, just personally. So I'd like him to be settled in a position before we yeah. start playing around with him. But... I. He did look composed. He, he did lack a little bit of pop, but he's so young. It's so hard to criticize. But he definitely got way more... I think he was around the ball, you know, way more frequently last night than he was at the Adelaide Oval last week. I didn't even see him on the TV in his debut. As in, I, 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 but he did look good, and he's a really good size. Yeah, great he's size. He's a really good size. So just quickly, I mean, I can't... I've got to give my two cents on Honey. You like, <laughs> The listeners will know he's probably my favorite player. Um yeah. I just think he is he is the most exciting young prospect I've seen at Carlton. He was a little bit unsighted last night. Well, he was. He was. But, mate, you know, the little the little bit of involvement that he had was good. And since Sam Walsh, I think he is definitely um, our most exciting young prospect. He, yeah. I, I agree. I, I disagree. Yeah. I, I agree. But it's just like, does that just not show the lack of young talent oh, coming through? 100%. It's, we, we mentioned so many of these guys who, on VFL form, look okay. Yeah. But this, but even in a in a team that has been well, underwhelming is an understatement. But <laughs> if they haven't been able to crack into the side, I'm talking about the guys like a like a Sam Ramsey and these sort of guys. Yes. Uh, are we sure that like his spot is safe on the list because he still hasn't managed to break into this it, side that hasn't been really great? It couldn't be um, safe. It couldn't in my opinion. Yeah, um, there's a handful of guys who I just look at, and you're right, Honey has done nothing wrong. Um, He's been great. He's been great. Yeah, Yeah, no, I mean, look, I get excited with him, but I just, I've I've said this before, like sometimes you just know, you can just see a player and you just know that they are going to be at the club for years. It hasn't, since I've watched Carlton, I haven't been able to confidently say it about many players. (laughs) I, I well, just well. <laughs> I just see him and I just know that he's 
he's going to be a bloody good footballer. He's got yeah. these... He just oozes talent. He's got all these attributes which are at his disposal, you know. I just For this podcast's sake, I really hope he turns out good. <laughs> mate, I, you know what? And and I've said this to you before off air. I wouldn't I wouldn't say it if I wasn't confident. I know, I know. No, you know, he's actually, he actually has been great. I think he got, like, kicked two goals in the first three games he played up until yeah. Yeah. last night. Yeah. yeah. No, he, it's great. Let's move he's on. Got bit of, he's got a bit of X Factor as well, I reckon. Well, that's, he does. Yeah. A, lot of, he's, a does. lot of players with flair and X Factor, a lot of times, and it's not just Carlton, every club, they seem to get coached out of a player. Yeah. Um, we don't want someone for fear that they'll turn into a bit of a lad, like a Favola or an Ackermanis or whoever. Personality is almost taken out of players now, but I think he's got that bit of spunk about him. He that does. He if I want to jump on someone's head, I'll jump on someone's head. If I want to take a player on and do the fend-off, I might do that. You know, he's just got that sort of vibe about him. And, and I think... It's a bit of swagger. Yeah, it is. And you're right. I think the fact that he's actually been made to work to get into this team so hard has yeah. actually as well contributed to the fact that he's actually composed as well. Like he does, yeah. He does have this sense of composure about him as well. Last week, he took an overhead mark and out... Was it... Wasn't Harry? Who was it? He jumped out, jumped last week. I might have been there anyway. There was one. No, no, it was a St Kilda game. He took him up against Harry when instead of Harry flying, and he kind of just took it upon himself and said, "No, I've got the belief. I'm, you know, I might not be a tall forward, but I've got the ability. If you want to, to as a hit up target, yep. if needed, just showing extra strings to the bow." And I think it's spot on. I think you're right when you say that he's, you know, looking like he's going to become a real player. Yep, absolutely. All right, let's move on from our little love affair with Josh Honey. Um, next one I want to speak about is our best chance at a Brownlow medal this year, Sam Walsh. Nick, I'll ask you first, uh, what were your thoughts on his performance last night? And, I mean, he's just he's just amazing, isn't he? I think it speaks volumes to how good this kid is. Uh, he's only just very recently turned 21. Um, <laughs> and I thought that yesterday he didn't necessarily have a huge influence on the game. So by Sam Walsh standards, you'd go, oh, well, it wasn't one of his better games. Still ends up with 30 touches. <laughs> um, and that for me, and he's playing visibly hurt the last month. He's, you know, there was doubts on him, I think, last week as well and this week. Um, yeah. He's playing visibly hindered and he's still, if that's still his output and his running ability when he's not at 100%, then we've got a once-in-a-generation talent uh, in our midst. I think he's an absolute bona fide superstar. We do, and he shook off that early DeBoer tag because DeBoer got him yeah. in Sydney. DeBoer, DeBoer smashed him. So, you know, Walsh was great. He just he was great after halftime as well. He just motors. He really, his third quarter was exceptional. Yep, yep. His ability to play in the centre circle or, if needed, out on that wing oh. as well, is something that really works in his favour in terms of breaking a tag. Yes. Um, I thought the move, was it last week or before, when they started him at half back and stuff, I thought that was going way too far <laughs> in trying to break it. Um, but, yeah, I think that he's, I mean, no matter who you are as an opponent, he's the sort of bloke that when he looks at a tag, and, again, once he's he's still only 21, as we mentioned, once he becomes 23, 24, and they're in his prime, so to speak, he'll be looking at these opponents and saying, oh, you're going to run with me, are you? Good luck. You know, try and chase me, you know. And, yeah, he's just an absolute jet. He has. And he's going to finish his first three seasons coming fourth, second, and first in the Carlson BNF, which is just, like, ex- exceptional. He hasn't yeah, he, missed a beat. He's a star. An absolute superstar. All uh, Australian? 
Yeah, yeah. Lock him in. It'd be a travesty if he wasn't. There, yeah. there has been a lot of very good midfielders, um, but yeah, you've got to have him in there, surely. Got to no, have he's, him. In. He is locked and loaded on the one wing for sure. Yeah. Then yeah, again, we, again, we yeah. went blazer fitting for Weedering last year and we got... No, 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 but this is like... I know, I know. This, this is, is another this is the levels. Level. Yeah. I agree. T- speaking of blazer fitting for Weedering, I think him and H, well, congratulations to H for winning yes, the Coleman Medal. Yes, Coronation Night. Yes. Oh, Tab- Tabana hasn't kicked 22 while we're on air, has he? Or- <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, we do need to congratulate H. It is awesome to get a Coleman Medal winner uh, at the yeah. club again. Out of the blue as well. Yeah, and oh, he's 23 years old. You know, this this Very will not be his last. And he missed four games, really. <laughs> he missed like, four. Three plus the one he got concussed in, so... Three plus concussed Yeah. yeah. For so, a bloke who apparently can't kick, it's a hell of a return, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> oh my God, amazing. And so, yeah, so we, we can all agree that we'll have three this year, H. Weeders and Walshie. You'd say so. I would, I would assume so, yeah. Yeah, just a And speaking of, Nick, I'll ask you first, Weeders last night, what were your thoughts? Yeah. Uh, he was he and Ed Kerno for me toss up whichever was our best player yep um, I thought and all year I think Weedering other than well I think Larky got a hold of him and probably one or two more that I can't think of off the top of my head but he's just been a pillar of strength uh, for us all season his on field leadership is just ridiculously good he was really marshalling that troops first half last uh, last night when we were kind of really holding them at bay. He was uh, vocally, but also with his efforts himself, just really setting the tone with his footy. And I think he's a fantastic leader. And if I had my choice and my way, he'd be our captain starting next year. Yeah, I mean, he's just... Yeah, he, he's exceptional. Oh, he's just you know, like, you such know, a calming influence. I love it. You know what's crazy? He actually... Teams sit down midweek... And change the way they play against Carlton because of yeah. leadering. Like teams absolutely focus on different inside fifty entries because they know if they just bomb it in, Weeders is just going to chop everything off. And then there's Jones. Jones is the Iron Dome. Well, yeah, it's both of them. Yeah. It's both of them. It's just, yeah. I mean, you know, kudos to Weeders. He's an absolute superstar, and in a couple of weeks' time, we will be referring to him as an all Australian. But he's such an underrated user of the footy as well. Well, like, that's yeah, he's one exactly. of our best field kicks. Yeah. Like, comfortably, well, I, I don't know the stats and the numbers. Surely, someone listening might be able to hit us up with those. His delivery inside fifty for a fullback and a half back, he'd be in our top six or so oh, in terms of the times he's hit a target inside our forward fifty. I think he's a phenomenal field kick. He's phenomenal. He's just... I, I just love how he's just such a... Like when he's got the ball, it's almost like time stops a little. Uh, he just can control the game literally just by and marking the footy. Right decisions too, yeah. He's yeah. brilliant. He's He's gone to another level as well. You know, he's reigning club champion. He'll finish second this year as well. He's just... He's phenomenal. Just, he was hardly done by last year for All-Australian. I, I do believe that that'll be rectified this year. Maybe Same. that's the extra points in the bank or runs on the board that he needed for this year no to get doubt. him over the line. They, they do like a bit of body of work at the All-Australian yeah. team. Yeah, no, Bolt, you've been red hot on that, that you need to sort of have that one breakout year before you... Definitely in the key defender spots because mm. it's, it's why Ali might be a bit stiff this year to miss it. You know, Weedering and May had the big years last year and missed it and they've gone again this year. So I'm going to quickly uh, read out his stats, Nick, because uh, you mentioned it and we've definitely got to read it out. So he's in the elite category for disposals. He's in the elite category for marks, um, 
just trying to, there we go, get his, get the rest of his stats up. He's basically in the elite category for everything. He's in the elite category for one percenters, um, kicking to advantage as well, elite category, spoils, contested defensive one-on-ones. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable, rebound 50s and kicking efficiency as well. So it's just, you're right. I mean, his, his ball use is just absolutely, you know, it's, it's out of this world, really, for a player in his position. So, in terms of the captaincy, then, because you brought it up, Nick. Mm. So, you think... So, Wiedering is captain. Jed, who would you go with if you had it your way? Captain of the club 2022. Look, I... I, I don't... It's such a tough one, because, like... Is it fair on Cripps to strip him of the captaincy? Like, I think it's pretty stiff. I, I, if, mm. if it was me... And I, yeah, I'd probably, you know, as stiff as this is, I don't know. I reckon I'd almost say to Doc, like, you know. Focus on yourself. Focus on yourself. 100%. Get back to the level we know you can play at. Yep. And and I'd actually go Weeders as a co-captain with Creeper. I don't think there's anything wrong with having co-captains. Yeah. Um, and I think that that allows us to have one down back, one in the middle. It, you know, could make a difference. And I, I absolutely agree. Weedering does deserve to lead this football club. He's proved it clearly. Um, I just don't think we should strip Cripps of the captaincy personally. What do you think, Bolt? No, I'm actually a fan of Cripps having it by himself. I still, so I, I still look at Cripps as that like leader, that big, because even last night, I know he went off early, but I actually thought he was great last night before he went off. He's such a bull. Like, I just still think he, you know, I know he hasn't, his last two years haven't been at, the level that he was two years before that. But I just, for me, he's such a, like, strong... I don't even know how... To, I don't even know what the word is, but he's just such... His presence. His presence. That's exactly what it is. His presence is so uplifting for the rest of the team that when he's on, you like, I don't know. He's just a guy that I, I like him leading from the front of our club. And I, and I know his form's been down, and he'd be the first to admit that because you'd have to be blind Freddy not to know it. But sure. I don't know. I still look at Patrick Cripps as that. It's almost like... You know, when the cup, the first couple of years when Murphy was captain, you probably still looked at Juddy as the leader. I, th- I think it'd be a similar vibe, and that might be unfair for Wiedering or Walsh to step in early. Uh, for Cripps, I wouldn't necessarily see it as a demotion to him. Yeah. Um, I Look, as you say, you don't necessarily need to be the captain to, to lead a side. For me, I kind of look at it, I've always gone back to, in terms of captaincy and stuff, the great example for me was Hawthorne when Mitchell was captain and then yeah. Hodge. For a young group, Mitchell was the right person for the job at that time to lead a young group um, into where they need to get to. And then when they were about ready, Hodge was the leader of men that got them there. He was the warrior who yeah. just was uncompromising and and when they were there, get on my back and watch me. And it didn't necessarily hurt Sam Mitchell's career. No. He's, well, he ended no. up with a brand. It's a great comparison. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, no. Nah, it's actually a very good comparison. I, I wouldn't necessarily say there's a knock on Cripps. I still have, I have some reservations about him as a leader. I, I think his form this year has been better than last year. Same. Um, obviously, it's still nothing like 2019 and 2018. But he, um, look, I, for me, I've been disappointed in was last year after we beat the Gold Coast and Indigenous ran and Cripps did the famous the baggers are back baby and stuff. Now Cripps has won I think it's well it's less than forty games in his career and I just think win something before we get a bit of swagger back. Um, 
I just, for me, I don't necessarily think he's a bad leader. I just think that there's... The Weetering is the man for me, and Cripps can still stay a vice-captain or, as you said, a co-captain. I'm not against that idea, but I just look at Weetering and I just think he is everything I look for in a captain, just shuts up, does his job, and then when they do trot him out into the media to, you know, placate all of us <laughs> angry mob with our pitchforks during the week after a loss, he just says the right things and calmly uh, diffuses situations. Yeah, oh, that's... You've actually hit that nail on the head there. And, and you know what he is? He's just, he leads by example. Yeah. You know, like, it's, you got some leaders who talk and talk and talk. Weedering's the type of guy who just leads by example. And players, players yeah. would have to look him in the eye. And, you know, yeah. you couldn't get away with playing badly under him. And the best oh, example God. was three weeks ago when he was, you know, getting comprehensively beaten by Max King early. And yeah. just, and I got the game back on his terms, really. He took the next three intercept marks of the game. Weedering was back, ended with a coach's vote for the night. And that is leadership, you know, by action. You know, you're down and out early. You come back, shut out Max King, go on to have a big win. Yep. I think it was after King's second in that first quarter. I can't remember who it was. It might have actually been King, but one or two of the St. Kilda players kind of went over to Weedering thinking, well, well, Larky got a hold of you the week before. Yes. Uh, you're in a bit of trouble here. You're in for a big night. And you could just see Weedering almost laugh at them and go, oh, I see you want to play. I'll show you what I got. You know, and he almost, that was the reaction, as you say, that response. That's what a leader does for me. And for early on yesterday, Cripps was fantastic. His first quarter, he had five clearances. He was in everything early. And again, playing visibly hurt. He shouldn't have played. No. Um, but he did. And early on, he was fantastic. Um, he obviously didn't wasn't fit enough to get through the game. But... Um, yeah, look, Cripps also has that ability. God, look at the Teague's first game, ironically, when we played Brisbane. And yes. early on, nothing. But then Teague, I haven't seen someone put a team on their back like he did that day since the Kudafidis days. No, that was the that was his marquee performance that yeah, afternoon. That 100% his, one, his best game he's played. Yeah, For he sure. was phenomenal that day. I haven't seen many performances like it since from anyone. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Nick, uh, I think it's time to mention Eddie. I didn't want to do it early because it's definitely going to bring some tears to the eyes and, you know, we don't want to get the tears out too early, but <laughs> just uh, just speak about Eddie for us, Nick. It's, it's. Um, I mean, I think we'd all be lying if we said we didn't have a tear in the eye when he spoke after the game last night. Um, this man is just, you know, he's he's small in stature, but he is an absolute giant in his presence in the in the league, at the football club, and in Australia as a whole at the moment. Um, talk to Eddie about uh, talk about Eddie to us a little bit. Eddie Betts is my hero in life. He really is. Um, what he brings to the football field is unmatched, and it is something I've never seen before him, and I and I doubt I ever will see again. I'm only in my early to mid thirties, but if someone else in my lifetime comes along half as good as him, I'll be excited to see it. Um, but it's what he does off field. It's who, it's not what he does, but who he is that makes him great. Um, mm. It's what he's what what he stands up for and who he stands for um, that truly inspires me. Um, without giving everything away, I got the opportunity to tell him during the week what I think of him and how much he means to me. Um, on Blue Board, I kind of said to Terry after Murph's game I was just so emotional and I said knowing that it's going to be Eddie's last game is it okay if during the week I do a show or something I just want to be able to let some feelings out and 
help my own mental health by discussing what Eddie means to me. And he goes, yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Um, how does Wednesday night sound? Awesome. So then I just put out a thing on my Instagram and I said, look, here's what I think of, here's what I'm going to be able to try and say about Eddie. Well, we're not super close. I don't profess to be best friends or anything, but I'm friends with Eddie and Anna personally. And um, Anna saw it, his wife, and she said, oh, Eddie saw your post. She wants to know, do you want him to come on with you for your podcast? Uh, yep. <laughs> so it's very good of him. I watched a bit of it. Oh, I watched. I, I watched it, and yeah. um, once I mean, we obviously very close with Terry, and shout out to the amazing work yeah. he does. But this was um, <clears throat> this for me was the pinnacle. This was the best content I think I've seen yeah. from a Carlton fan. What access to give back to the fans as well? Oh, it's and just. I mean. And, and as fans, we have to thank you, Nick, for, for putting that on, that on for us. I mean, we needed it in these tough times. And Absolutely. Ed, and Eddie was just, um, it was just, it was honestly incredible, that whole production to see. And we thank yeah. you. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it shows how much of an impact he's had, not only on Carlton fans, but the whole yeah. AFL community. Absolutely. And that's, and that's, and that for me, it is the greatest representation of who he and Anna, for that, the whole family, but who he is as a person. Um, when after they said, Oh, no, I'd love to jump on, you know, what time? And I told them, Oh, we're going to go live at about eight o'clock. And he said, Well, I've got an AFL Players Association meeting or something. It should be done by about quarter past. I'll jump on whenever I can. So we kind of spent 15 minutes talking a bit of shit at the start to try and buy some time. But, um, when he came on, that was all of his volition. I didn't even have to ask him. And that, for me, that speaks volumes of who he is um, before he left the club. Um, so personally, from a cheer squad point of view, he was the first player the cheer squad ever sponsored um, in his debut season. We got on with him as a, as a new debut, as a new recruit. Um, and until he left the club, the cheer squad sponsored him. After that, we had Armfield. Uh, now we've got Tom DeConning, Nicholas Stevens. We've had Simo for one year last year, but now we've got Eddie back this year. So we're going to be finding someone new next year. But um, Eddie's always been so giving with his time. And even during the broadcast, I would be sending him and Anna a message on Instagram or private messages saying, Look, thank you so much. I'm, I'm mindful for time. I know you guys have got a massive week. You must be so tired. Feel free to tell us to wrap it up at any point. And they said, no, let everyone who wants to have their say have their say. You know, we, you guys give so much to Eddie as over his career, so much love to him. It's the least you can do is pay it back a little bit. And that's their mindset. And I just think that that's a great reflection and representation of who they are as people. They're just salt of the earth. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, you couldn't have said it better. And I think just a quick little, I guess, note, it's worth noting. I don't think he just unites the Carlton community. He actually unites the entire AFL community. I don't think we've absolutely. ever seen anyone like this. I mean, when something, you know, when players have to overcome adversity, he leads from the front and gets everyone united. It's It's actually, it's just amazing, really amazing to see. That smile, I don't think it's possible to dislike it. Oh, you're not human if you yeah. dislike that smile. And, oh, it's, and, it's, it's, and I think we, uh, who said it, someone during the weeks, it might have been in the media, or someone said, for someone to be so good at what they do um, and have no one really hate you, yes. like, there are people who go, oh, you know, Rafael Nadal, he's so fantastic, but God, I hate him, though. Or Serena Williams or, you know, Shane Warne. There's something about everyone who's the best at what they do. They, there's always, yeah, they're good, but 
I, I can't I haven't heard that but for anyone from anyone about Eddie he's just a bringer he brings joy with everything he does he does and even last week versus Port Adelaide in that game his last game at Adelaide Oval as he's walking off the ground the Port Adelaide cheer squad gave him a massive ovation oh it's think amazing of, think of all the grief he's put that mob through during all those showdowns <laughs> in his first five showdowns he kicked 24 goals <laughs> and he's just tore them apart week after week after week and yet there's still that respect from them so yeah he's uh he really does transcend the sport in many ways. He's a phenomenal player and a person. And I just very quickly need to expand because you said how opposition uh, supporters, you know, no one hates him, everyone loves yeah. him. One of our, one of Harrison and I, one of our best mates, is Mad Collingwood, and he hates Carlton. Like yep. he messages us every week, just bagging some of our plays. He hates Carlton, and he messaged us after the game last night. And he was sad as well, and he just said, you know, how can you not love Eddie? Like, you know, this guy is just, you know, even he loves him. And it's just, it's just, yeah, there's there's actually no, there's been no one like it. I had two people message me last night, not massive footy heads, saying they watched the send-off and, like, tears in their eyes. Yeah. My my old boss is, is died in the war Essendon fan, and he said, I think he put a tweet out yesterday saying, um... No one gave him as an Essendon fan more grief than Eddie Betts over the journey. I think in Eddie's career, I heard it said during the week, he kicked the most goals against any side was against Essendon. Um, The majority of his goals was against them. But my boss said to me, he said, well, you know, no one's given more grief to Essendon fans than Eddie over the journey. But he's one of only very few players that I would turn on the TV to watch an impartial, like a game as a third party impartial fan. Um, he's not the sort of Essendon fan that would watch Fremantle versus Hawthorne, for example, a, a, you know, a, two other sides. But he said, I'll turn on the TV knowing if Eddie's playing. And that, again, speaks volumes of the entertainer that he is. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that, I've got the stat up here. He's kicked 62 goals against Essendon. His next best, <laughs> his next best against another team is 48. Yeah. Unbelievable. And that is just... Phenomenal. <laughs> that he, is he Carlton also, in he, his blood. He also registered a hit out against Essendon once. <laughs> A hit out. A hit out. Can this guy That's do fantastic. everything? Five hit outs over his career. Bring back the third man up. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's just, um, yeah, and, you know, we can speak about him all day, but I think the last little point we should make is, have we ever seen someone so good on the field and equally as good off the field? You know, there's been, there's been, there's been players who are unbelievable on the field and they've got their knocks off the field as a human, as a player, as a person. He's just at the top tier for everything he does. It's just, I mean, he's just so special. I think we've we've spoken about it as well, but it's. I think we're so grateful that he actually came back for these last two years to remind us all of like what he is to Carlson. Yeah. It's hard to forget anyway. it's, It's hard to think that if he didn't play these last two years at Carlson, he would have almost been remembered as an Adelaide bloke. Well, his best footy was probably at Adelaide. 100% um, it was. You're right. Yeah, 100% you're right. It, it came full circle for me. The day that they were announcing him coming back, we'd heard rumours probably every off-season since he went to Adelaide. Of, but one day he says he might come back, and I thought, oh, yeah, I believe it when I see it. But the day it kind of happened, I won't disclose the source, but someone from the club who kind of decided to leak to me that day, it's happening, he's at the club now about to take photos. Um I text my fiance Michelle, who just happened to be going for a run at Princess Park, you know, trying to get fit. So I said to her, are you there? Can you pop your head in? And she said, oh, yeah, I'm here. It seems to be happening. So I said to the boss I was just mentioning, I said to them, hey, 
here's why I have to leave work early. I, I have to be there. I have to be there. And the, to their credit, they said, yep, that's okay. Take annual leave for the last two hours. Go nuts. Go go for it. And then I turned up, but I didn't want to be kind of seen by any cameras or anything because I was meant to be at work. Well, sure enough, the, he comes over and the first person he gives a hug to is Michelle and there's me in the background with tears in my eyes on television on the news that night getting caught out when I'm meant to be at work. But, <laughs> Unbelievable. What yeah, a story. That's what he means. But that's what he means. Like, he's just, I had to drop everything because I felt like a 12-year-old kid again. When he got when he got drafted at the club, I was 14. And my entire life, he has been my favourite player and, you know, and... He is now the last player on Carlton's list older than me, so now I'm older than all of these blokes now. And it's kind of come full circle. I don't feel like it's my childhood club anymore because none of those guys are still around. Um, The Simpsons, the Murphys, Cruises, etc., that I grew up loving as a kid. Um, But, yeah, it's the end of an era, really. He's he's the last of a a fantastic generation. Well, his first game was my first game as a member. Really? Yeah. That North game at Eddie had at Telstra Dome. I would have been six, but that was my first game as a member, Eddie's debut. So it's very it's very weird to think about. Yeah. That is huge. Yeah. Nick, do you want to give us I mean it's you've probably got a hundred thousand of them, but do you want to just give us a little memory of Eddie and something at the football where you've just you know favourite Eddie goal. Yeah, just something that stands out to you. There's obviously thousands of them. We've seen all the highlights during the week. Um, one that is, you know, it's a off-Broadway choice is why I keep bringing it up because so many others, it's easy to say the goal against Collingwood after Scotland got whacked and it's so easy to say the goal against yes. Essendon, etc., where he just tore Slattery to bits. <laughs> he put Slattery in the first row of the, of the Southern Stand that night, but... He, um, there's one game, we played the Bulldogs in 2008 and the Woofers were celebrating 54 years since their 1954 flag that night and they had a big song and dance. They wore a heritage jumper for it and black shorts for some reason. They wore black shorts. Oh, I know the game. And we came back with Simon Wiggins. Yes. I think. Yes. Yeah, it was, it was. <laughs> and Wiggins kept us in it early, but it was the game's probably best remembered for Favola just getting yes. a hold of Brian Lake in the second half. And that's when he famously said to Lake, I hope it bought tickets to the Favola show, about to flick a switch, and he kicked six or seven in the last half. But Eddie barely got a touch all night. And our cheer squad end had a couple of blokes standing behind the cheer squad like, pretending to be a grog squad sort of thing, Bulldogs fans. And all day they were giving it to Eddie Betts. Oh, you're hopeless. You haven't had a touch all day. And by the time that Eddie got his first shot on goal, we were already four goals up in the last quarter and the game was pretty much won. But he hadn't gone near it all day. And Jeffy Garlett gets the ball on the wing, does a little dribble kick underneath the opponent to Eddie at centre wing. And Eddie just runs to 45 metres. Ben Hudson was uh, Bulldogs' ruckman, who he turned around and said, well, I've got you covered. And, and he just kicks like this Craig Bradley banana from 45, 50 metres on the run. Incredible goal. Well, the crowd went absolutely spare. And each and one of us turned around to these Bulldogs blokes. Well, not only did they shut up, half of them just left in that moment saying, oh, well, we're stuffed here. It was just a moment. It's probably the game that I go back and watch the most, but he didn't have to have the ball on a string for four quarters. When he did, it was a sight to behold, but he could have a shocking game by his standards, but when the moment came, he would still be able to do something that made you go, wow. 
Um, yeah, his ability to turn it on from nothing, from to go from zero to 100 was just what makes him so special. He did things that, as I said before, he we've never seen before and I doubt I'll ever see again. He was just remarkable. He was. So, I reckon my favourite, this is also a little bit off Broadway as well. It's also, it, <laughs> so the Richmond Elimination Final in 2013, when we had the massive run on in the third quarter, you know, Daigon, Garlet, goals. Betts yep. kicked the one to put us within a point. The banana yes. from the right forward pocket towards the punt road end. And when he got... And Stephen Morris gave away that free kick for Betts in the pocket. And you can see on the... If you watch the highlights, this is the best bit about it. There's a Richmond bloke that comes streaming down the aisle, gets to the, gets to the front, and he mouths to the umpire, you effing C... And Betts goes back, bananas, and you see the little pocket of Carlton fans towards the Richmond end get up. It's just back within a point. It's like game on. It's just an elite Eddie Betts goal. And you've got to watch this Richmond. I'll show you after, Jed. You've got to watch this Richmond bloke just go Absolutely. off his chops. Well, mate, that's the impact that Eddie had. You know, they, he knew that was a goal before it happened. Yeah. The, um, that game also, when the, the last minute or so, when we kicked to, to kick the ball around, and I think they kicked the ball to Judd and the crowd goes completely nuts for him, just yeah. taking a mark, and then they kick it to Eddie, and there's yes. a few easy, cheap little kicks, but the ovation he got that day as well as one of those moments is another special kind of moment that it's not necessarily him doing anything, but it just shows what he means to everyone. No, I know. And that was his last game at home before he left, that elimination that final. It was. Just mine quickly. So I've got... I've got one, but then I've got another little one. So, Bolt, you've got a better be- better memory than me. He kicked five against Essendon once. Or four, was it? I think it was five. And I don't remember exactly the match. It would have been 2010 or 2011. And we had two old old men in front of us, diehard Essendon fans, and they were just getting stuck into Carlton all day. They were absolutely... They were, f- like, they were like very, very vile supporters. And... Eddie kicked, I think, his fourth or fifth at the beginning of the last quarter. And the one guy turned to the other one. It's probably the game where he kicked eight. The Saturday night where Walker took the big mark. Oh, it could have been that game. Yeah. I think it was... It could have been that game. Anyways, the one man said to the other one, he looked at him, he goes, gee, you can knock Carlton, but that guy is just a magician. And and that moment, you know, the, the the people who just hate our football club, even they sat back and just watched the show and just acknowledged the greatness of Eddie Betts. And yeah, that for me is, is and I was pretty young at that time, I would have been in my 12 or 13. But um, yeah, that was just, you know, as a young Carlton supporter to see the impact he has on opposing fans that, you know, they hate us and they can still just even acknowledge the greatness. You know who, and you know what was also a massive thing for Betts? When Betts was at his first into Carlton, every time we played North Melbourne, he would undoubtedly get the Scott Thompson matchup. They yep. would send their number one key defender, mm. all-Australian yeah. fullback to Betts every time. There yep. was times where he was a traditional full forward in that sense. Yeah. He could play that role. Like He's probably the smallest person. Toby Green can probably be the only one left who can do it who isn't 6'4 or more. Yeah, I agree. Even maybe Bailey Fritch to an extent. But yeah, good call. Betts always got Thompson. And the other one that also comes to mind, Betts, I feel like he always, at Carlton especially, he always got a hold of Harry O'Brien. Yeah. Or he was Harry O'Brien at the time, but yeah. he always got a hold of him. Yeah, yeah, he did. Just very quickly, the second one for mine. So last year, we played Geelong. Oh, and oh vintage game. Uh, yes. Now, this for me, this for me, that game, 
it was like nostalgia. I just, mm. I didn't, you know, when you know when something just makes you feel something you forgot you could feel. Yeah. When yeah. when Sorry. he played that well, it just yeah. brought back all these old feelings, and I was like, wow, like the power this guy has. Like yeah. he literally made he makes you feel something you forgot you could feel from when he was at the club before he left. Yep. That that game was just. Oh, that was one of his best ever games at Carlton that night. That, that tackle, that tackle to win the game on yeah. the siren. Yeah. Um, and we kicked. I think he kicked two of the first three goals or something. But there was also a smother in the first quarter. He just. I think he had five direct had. goal assists as on top of his. I think he hit he four. He played the perfect forward pocket yeah. game that night. No, he was. Uh, that's a very very good call. I think since he came back, that was probably the best game he's played oh. in this Tinter Carlton. No but doubt. One of his best in general. Yeah. Yeah. No. That that just. That just uh, almost reignited the flame. It just, uh, yeah, it just brought back all these old feelings for Eddie. And uh, yeah, wow, you get emotional speaking about him, but he's just one hell of a human being. Now we just need one big car to send off all these guys next year, hopefully at the footy. Yeah. Uh, I hope hope Hyundai have got a lot of cars ready in the fleet because we're going to need them. Nick, you've got some uh, input at the club. Uh, We just... Speak to them, tell them, as fans, we we want to send everyone off. Our first home game at the G next year. Get, unequivocally agree. It'll be our home game too, so unequivocally yes. agree. Get Cruz um, out, we, get Simo, Eddie, Murph, Chuck Levi in there, whoever's retired. Get Gibbs. Yeah, Gibbs as well, honestly. <laughs> just. I agree. No, I agree. There's been a lot of talk, especially lately, but this season about what do Carlton stand for, what is our culture, how do we send off legends, etc. Here's a perfect way. Yeah. Um, over the past handful of years, we were kind of, I think they had the Ring of Honor or whatever they call it. They're not a wrestling organization, but they're the, you know, they, they, they get someone to come out and ring the bell and they, you know, honor them by bringing the footy out to the middle. Um, I think something like that, but get get these, they're all, they're all Carlton Hall of Famers in the making. Yep. Um, get them out there and pay the due respects that they all deserve and... Hopefully, we can have a full house and finally knock off those tides. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? It would just be that is that's the type of uh, that's the type of night that could almost turn this club around. You get five oh, round one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Bring out, bring out Simo. They Play unveil for- their flags. We unveil our bets. <laughs> bring out Simo, Betts, and Murph. Three hundred gamers. Bring out Levi and and um, Cruz. Bring out the five of them. You know. Cruz are just the the amount of heart and soul he gave to the club. He's still there as a coach. Levi grew up a mad blue bagger, 150 gamer. Bring them all out. Hand out the big, you know how they hand out those cardboard faces. Get them around the cheer squad. Get them in the crowds. Just just do everything to reignite the flame of the Carlson Football Club. Round one at the G against the arch rival. And just, you know, that could be a turning point. And, and what better way for fan engagement? So yes. over the past, since COVID, it, it's been so hard for the club and yep. all clubs to engage properly with fans. We haven't been regularly attending games. It's hard to get that conversation going, if you will. This is something that just, whether it's a token thing or not, but it genuinely gets a bit of passion in the fan base and people saying, well, you know, these guys, we know where we, I mean, we may not know where we're going, but we know where we've been. And these guys have, you know, got us to this point. So I think it's a fantastic idea. Um, Levi, though, I think that Levi might not, he's not retiring. I, don't, I wouldn't be No, thinking. I've heard Gold Coast. I think Gold Coast as well. Um, oh, so he's still going to play on? Yeah. 
Oh, oh yeah, one hundred percent. No, they've, they've not. No one has yet said from the club or him that he's retiring. But Levi was um, Levi was delisted in a very fancy way. Yeah. Yep. Well, I mean, he deserved, so he deserved the, the send-off he, he got. That's one of the reasons he wasn't uh, chaired off yesterday. He got to be part of it, and he, so he should have. They've acknowledged him very well. But um, his wife has been on Instagram kind of asking, does anyone know any real estates in far north in New South Wales or Byron? Really? Bay sort of area. Um, they'll only be an hour from the Gold Coast if that is the case. But, wow, um, I haven't seen that. Yeah, I think that's that's. If I was a betting man, I'd be putting some money on him ending up at Gold Coast next year. Yeah. Nick Wishart from E Entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's um okay. So that's that's news to my ears. I hadn't heard yeah, that. No, I read it during the week about Gold Coast for Casbolt. Oh no, you know what? I hope he does. Give him a. You know, I'd love to. See, I'd, I would love to see Liam Jones play on him. <laughs> Yeah. I think that's an alright fit for him. God knows that that kid King up there, if he has another person up there to help him out, another big body especially. Um, Jared Witts did his knee earlier in the year. If you know, they kind of need a backup ruck as well. I think he's not a bad fit for them. Yeah, no, and you, you know what? I mean, Levi's one who has sort of at times split the supporter base, and yeah. I think you know a guy who grew up blue bagger. Yep. He's played 150 games, and you know it's easy to forget, but. He was unbelievable in 2019. Like, yeah, that second half of 19, there wasn't a well, there wasn't a better swing man in the comp. Yeah, he was just he was unbelievable. He was that year. He was unbelievable that year. Um, for, all his, for all his flaws, you could never knock his effort. No, absolutely not. And this yeah. year, we've you know we've we've seen he hasn't been at his best. But you know from what we've heard, he's been playing injured all year. He's been yeah. getting you know whatever's knee been drained, yeah knee drained. You know, the the dedication to the football yep. club, yep. that is just, you know, you can't you can't doubt that. Um, he's been, yeah, he's really given his all and another one who we definitely thank for his time at the club. Yeah. Nick, very quickly, before we let before we let you go, we've got to speak about what happens in the off season. So, you know, there's all there's gonna be a lot of chatter and a lot of you know, talk about what might happen. What is your opinion on what might happen with, you know, the football department? Who might stay? Who might go? And, you know, in your in a in a utopia for you, in your perfect world, what happens in this off season? Uh, okay, well, we'll start with what I think is going to happen. Um, where I think it's going to be going, I think our current coach Teague is. Well, I think it's pretty obvious he's not going to be lasting. I don't know. Does this go out on Sunday or Monday? By the time this goes live, he may not be employed anymore. Um, I don't think he's going to be alone. I think that Brad Lloyd will also be leaving the club. And I would be surprised if any assistant coaches other than Power and maybe Dan O'Keefe, I'd be surprised if any of the others retain their position as well. Um, Further than that, I kind of believe that Andrew Russell might hold on, but he'll be on notice if he does hold on to his spot. Um... Other than that, I, I, I think that Ross Lyon, for me, is the obvious candidate for the job and he seems the most likely to get it. Um, I've heard rumours about who he's going to bring as assistant coaches, whether how much, we put, how much uh, truth we put to that is to be seen, I guess, but I've heard the names of like Lenny Hayes, uh, Andrew McWalter was another name I heard, Aaron Hamill's names come up, and they all come with very good reputations as coaches, so... Um, and I think all of them have been, you know, have achieved some success in their own right. 
So I think they're all good options. Um, in terms of my utopian society, I mean, God, would it be nice to go and say, well, forget Chero, let's go and get Bontempelli and, uh, <laughs> and, and we'll go and get him and uh, Hugh McCluggage and Josh Kelly. It'd be beautiful to go and get him. But look, I, I'm not doom and gloom on where our list is at. I think the, there's depth issues, but I think the core group is, is good enough. Um, and I think a change of coach and a bit of structure around the place uh, might just, you know, whether it gets us to finals next year or not might be to be seen, but I think it can. Um, I think that we've seen teams jump uh, from outside the eight pretty much in there um, with not much like Essendon have done it this year. I think we've got a better list than Essendon. Mm. Um, so there's no reason why we can't make the eight next year. Um, but, I, yeah, I don't think it's all doom and gloom. I think there's a handful of blokes who were really at the crossroads. Um, we'll throw the names of Petrescu Seaton. Well, if he stays, I think he can be a good player. Um, O'Brien, Setterfield, Gibbons... Zach Fisher is another one who frustrates me, but he's good. And he's he's good. He's pretty good. Um, so these are the sort of guys that maybe a new, a new coat of paint and a new coach might just bring the best out of them. And if those sort of guys are the ones that step up, then I do think we can uh, start to make some inroads on the rest of the teams at the top of the competition. Yeah, no, very well said. I look. I hadn't heard any of that about Ross Lyon, the assistants, but. Bolt said he had. Um, so that's, you know, it's interesting. I mean, I'm open to anything really at this point and I, I'm just going to, you know, you got to back in the club and Luke Sayers, who's taken over, I back him in to, uh, to get the job done. But um, yeah, at the end of the day, I guess Teague is currently still the coach. We don't know. I mean, they might, you know, there's still the possibility. I think it's highly unlikely. There's, don't say what I think you're going to say. Well, there's still the possibility they might just try and keep him and surround him by a bunch of oh, fresh faces? I, I personally don't think it's a possibility. The fact that Gone. he's now come out and kind of said the board the board and the club haven't backed me, if he was, if he knew there was a chance that he had a job, he wouldn't be yeah, that's firing fair. back at this point, I feel. No, no, no. That's, you've, I, he's yeah, going no, down the right. old house for no, him. No, you're I right, think, you're I right. I think the writing's been on the wall for a bit for him. But look, and I think that had the review... Uh, into the footy department not necessarily painted him as good or bad that might have been a possibility if they kind of said oh we don't think he is the problem but he may not be the answer to the problem um, they might have then said well let's equip him and get everyone behind him but I think that that ship sailed a while ago yeah no that's fair for me I just think I, I get a bit frustrated reading online where people defend David Teague with the excuse oh. that it was with the excuse that he hasn't had the support because irrelevant if he's had the support or not. I just don't think he can coach full stop. And Yes, I agree. And this is a thing where even though this was the board's error, the solution right now is to get rid of him. We can't just like cut our losses and say, oh, they made an error. Let's give him a chance. Like, no. Like, it's a, I'm, I'm sorry to say, but David Teague is a complete waste of time. Like, we don't have 12 months to waste again next year just by keeping him because he's an okay bloke and he was hired prematurely. As in, at the end of the day, this is going to sound very blunt, but he is Brendan Bolson's assistant coach. Yes, I strongly agree. That's what he is. He's Brendan Bolson's assistant coach. And with all due respect, he looks like a great guy to have a tea with, but I don't want him coaching my team. He's as... He... 
and I've spoken about this since the Hawthorne game in Perth last year, the lack of... It's so alarming how bad Carlton are when they don't have the ball. It is so alarming. And it's just something that's never been rectified. And I think it's, you know, and this just shows where we are at as a club. We've had such a shit show of a season and it's the most games we've won since 2013. Yeah, I know, right? Like, mm. it's it's alarming. And I, with all, and I think David, he, 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 was, he was appointed prematurely, but at the end of the day, it was the wrong appointment and it just, it's a ruthless industry. We need to win. We're not winning enough. He has to go. Yep, that's fair. I'll, I'll, I'll fire one back at you guys. What, like, and I'll put my hand up. When the Teague train got going, no one was as on board as me. I got sucked in massively, and I, my hand is up. I was wrong. I was even criticising Judd for the for the comments of we need someone without the training wheels. I found that disrespectful at the time. In hindsight, he was right. He was but right. My question to you guys is, what do what is it about? him at that point that we bought into. I don't think we got around the club. I think we got around Teague and we backed the board into a corner where they had no choice but to but sign him. Um, but what is it that you think we are so caught up about? Was it the simple fact that he wasn't Brendan Bolton or was it, what was it that got us all so riled up and excited? I think what got fans so excited was the camaraderie that he brought with his players because the players got behind him. So it's, you know, when you see the players reacting, they were winning. So, but I, I remember when we sacked Bolton, I, th- I said to you, Jed, I remember the conversation. I didn't even think, I don't even think people thought Teague was going to be the interim coach, let alone the next senior coach. Oh, thought, we were rattled to I hear that he Josh was the interim. I thought Josh Fraser would be the interim coach at the time. And I don't know. I never really, you know, I, I just, I didn't like the fact that it was such a massive appointment for us to make and we didn't go down the route of interviewing and really getting applications. We just picked the interim coach. For me, it was just it was shortcutting. Mm. And we might be doing that again by getting Ross. I hope they go through an application process and oh, Ross they, is a uh, part of that. No, they have to. And it, you just you know, know they won't. I, if, would, I would think they've absolutely asked the question of at least Clarkson as well. And yeah, they, they would have asked Clarko. You're, you're uh, totally neglectful in your governance if you don't ask the question of him and Lyon. I think the only other name who potentially came up as an option when he got the job, Longmire was a name that was thrown in the media a tiny bit, and Ross Lyon. But Ross, I think, at the time, needed time away after he left Frio. Um, there was a bit of messiness as he left Frio, so I think he needed to step away and refresh himself. And I think that Longmire pretty bluntly said he wasn't interested. So I think I think that was the only real due diligence they took in appointing Teague now I think we're pretty safe to say that they've been putting the feelers out to a handful of coaches all year we've heard the stories about how they've approached all these other people for the you know the football director role and board members and even Jordan Lewis got a call apparently for God's sakes but Mm. Um, if they're making those sort of calls, I think we're naive to think that they're not making the same amount or more calls for coaches. Um, but I think that Ross is a great choice. Um, I think he's the most winningest coach uh, in history without a flag. I might be wrong in that, but I think that's a correct thing. Um, he's gotten two lists where they're not, you know, St Kilda had a lot of stars. It was Frio's list that made the grand final full of stars. I think no. they have Rich Fife and Sandlers. Outside of that, they're just a lot of role players. And, and, and that's what I like about Ross. I like the yeah. fact that he can turn... I don't want to... I'm going to put this very bluntly. He can turn talentless players into really organised players in a well-oiled machine. Zach Dawson. 
Yeah, like guys like Lee Spur, Cam Sutcliffe, yep. Gary Gibbonson. That was a yep. Mazungu. That was their backline. Yep. Tommy Sheridan. Like it's not a star-studded backline, but yep. they just had it was, they were organised, and that's what I like about Ross. And it's something Carlton. We need organisation. Yeah, I, I actually I think that's what we need. Um, I'm absolutely. actually just reading now. Apparently, Stewie Jew is about to get the chop. Well, if he is, then I reckon Clarkson's... Oh, my, my view has been that Clarkson actually would be honestly taking 12 months off and then the AFL would just throw everything to send him up there. Is Well, I still think it'll happen, but whether it happens now or they might say, well, why wait 12 months? But he's got to be the fit for up there. Apparently, apparently Drew's going to be on the verge, which, to be honest, he deserves these results. are pathetic as well. And if, if he was the coach of... So, again, we go back to all these people defending Teague's position, saying, well, what about Stuart Jew? What about Brett Ratton? What about all these other blokes? Well, the fact is that Jew is also someone whose job should be on the line for their results. And I personally think that Ratton and St Kilda hasn't worked yet. They'll probably give him another year because they have had a lot of injuries. Um, yeah. But I think in 12 or 18 months' time, the Ratton's job is too safe either. No, I think if Ratton misses the finals again, yeah. pressure. As in, you know, yeah. Ratton, they finished sixth last year. It's hard to yeah. compare Ratton to Teague. And I, as in, we spoke about it on Twitter, you know, all these guys that he gets compared to, David Teague, as in, they all had, like, genuine results. They've, like, all, they've all played in finals before. Yeah, it's just, it makes no sense to me. I don't, with all due respect to people out there, I don't get the David Teague backing, the backers. Look, we, all we can worry about is Carlson. You know, we don't... T, uh, Radden and Jew, you know, that's that's not our issue. Um, but yeah, look, it's it's going to be an extremely interesting off-season. That is for sure. This is going to be... We've said it before. We'll say it again. This is do or die. Um, Nick, really, really appreciate you taking the time out to come on the show. We've, we've taken a genuine chunk of your Sunday, so we really appreciate it. Um, appreciate your time, guys. Love always willing to have a chat with people who are as, as passionate about the mightiest football team in the land as I am. Yeah, absolutely. And we are we're going to be on the airwaves uh, during the whole off season, so we'll definitely uh, be getting you on the phone again to have another chat. Trade radio, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, really appreciate the time you've taken out, and just as a thank you from Bolt and I once again. The amazing uh, work that you do for the cheer squad and the football club, the time you devote, and of course, the amazing tribute to Eddie during the week on Blue Abroad. We uh, we all sat back and watched and just have to thank you for that. No, you're too kind, guys. It's all out of love. And uh, as I said, our club you know, means so much to so many of us. And at a time where a lot of us need something to smile about, hopefully that... Uh you know, the content that we put out, and you guys, you know, you guys are no different. The content you guys put out, Carlton fans are drawing more and more away from the traditional media sources and looking at podcasts like you guys, and there's so many others out there for, for fan content. Um, you know, you guys are putting just as many smiles on people's faces as any anyone, anyone else are. So, you know, thank you guys for all you do too. Thanks, appreciate Nick. It. Really appreciate that. And, yeah, thank you so much for coming on the show. Always. Thanks so much, guys. Nick Wishard and Will Bolt, we uh, we absolutely have to thank him for all the time he devotes to the football club and thank him for coming on our show. Um, really appreciate it. And yeah, we'll definitely stay in touch with Nick and Blue Bag is tuning in. Be sure to uh, tune into all of our shows in the off season because I think you'll be hearing more from Nick Bolt. That was great. Yeah, no, it was great. It was probably one of the more enjoyable episodes I think we've done, just reminiscing on Eddie's career. and. Yep. Um, to speak to someone so close to him was just it was really awesome and fitting to do it this week. So, yeah, that was an awesome, awesome chat. 
Well, let's move on to the Twitter questions. Yes. So they've come in. <laughs> they've come in. They're firing in the Twitter questions this week, um, which we love. We absolutely love. Let's read them out. Let's get to the first one. Uh, and this one has come through from Peter Shadwick. He says, Clarko a bust for me. He'd have to be highly, highly tempted on big coin, half the pieces in place on the field. The lure to rescue another club from the from the abyss would place him firmly as one of the all-time best. And judging in the last few weeks, he's not ready to go yet. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm getting the vibe from Clarkson that he's not going to coach in 2022, but I agree. The coin's obviously a big temptation, but you know he took on Hawthorne when they were on their knees, turned him into a powerhouse, so... You know, I guess it would be massive for his legacy if he could do it at another team. Mm, mm. Lawrence says, After seeing the Melbourne win last night, I saw Alan Richardson and Mark Williams in the rooms of Simon Goodwin and realised that the little support our footy department and board have provided for a new coach in Teague has set him up to fail. I'm sure he'll get another crack elsewhere. (sighs) I I wouldn't be banking on him being a senior coach elsewhere. Um you know, I agree. They had mature heads at Melbourne around Goodwin. Um, but at the end of the day, Goodwin took Melbourne to a preliminary final without those guys. Mm. He had somewhat runs on the board. Okay. Teague doesn't. Lawrence also says, Big questions now regarding Dow O'Brien, SPS, Fisher, Setterfield, Williamson. Do we keep him or trade him? Ramsey, Parks, Cottrell. Do we keep him or delist them? The club must have another ruck forward lined up if they delisted Casbolt. So, yeah, and, and this is the group. This is the group of the Dow, O'Brien, Petrovsky, Seed, and Fisher, yes. Setterfield, Williamson. That is the group. The middle of the rotors. Of players in their fourth, fifth, sixth years who now actually have to start, you know, providing a little bit more input. We spoke about it this year. We needed an extra 10% from those guys. We didn't get it. We probably got less from them. We, well, we definitely got less from them. Oh, they, they digressed as a group, as a collective. Yeah. So, you know, that group... The went, only one that really built was Dow. Yeah. And the fact that he didn't play yesterday is another thing. Well, he did, but the fact that he was initially dropped, just madness. Um, and something that, you know, would have killed his confidence going into the offseason. It was, it was just bizarre that you can... You know, we lost that game by 16 goals against Port Adelaide, and that was the one player that got omitted. Yeah, just... It was a bit weird. Bizarre. And uh, Ramsey, Parks, Cottrell. Um, Look, Ramsey, I think, would be incredibly stiff. You know, he's had two years in the system. He's a small dude. And he really couldn't have done more in the VFL this year. He was probably named in our best in almost every VFL game he played. So he's had a really good VFL year. But, you know, playing in two COVID years where it's hard to develop and missed out on a lot of football... Yeah, I do think it would be stiff, but at the same time, they may just say, well, stiff as it is, you know, at the end of the day, he did miss out on all this footy and it's just done him no favours. So that's going to be an interesting one, Bolt. And you've been, you've also been on Parks and, you know, you've been, do you want to just, for those people who haven't heard, just give your little opinion on Parks very quickly? I just think we've seen Parks' ceiling not good enough to stick with long term. That's why they may be tempted to delist him. Yeah, that could be a reason, but they also might think... First-year defender. That Same might be theory something. in Cottrell. Well, yeah, I think it's more with Cottrell because he's, you know, this is Park's first year. Cottrell's been at the club three years now. Yep. So, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, absolutely. We have to bring in another ruck forward uh, to replace Levi. You needed one anyway. Yeah. You pro- probably could bring in two or three. Um, 
Jeremy Cruz says, It is so sad that injuries crueled the careers of Doherty, Marchbank, and Cunningham. Do you think we'll see them back? Well, Doherty's, you know, he's been All-Australian. Yeah, oh, we'll see. We'll see Doherty. Doherty's in a different category to the other two. The other oh, yeah. two, genuinely, we haven't been able to see much of. Do- Doherty's form, obviously, hasn't been where it has been to what it was prior to the knees. But you know, Doherty's still, still playing pretty solid footy at one point this year. Marchbank... You know, who knows what's going to happen with Marchbank, really. And, such, and we spoke about it with Nick. It was such a shame when Cunningham went down in round nine because yeah, he, start, he was starting to play really well. It's probably his best body of work that but, we had seen. Yeah, as in it's going to yeah, it's gonna be very difficult for Marchbank and Cunningham. Damon Mule says, Too many negatives on another disappointing season. One positive yesterday was Stocker. He looks primed to have a breakout year next year. Yeah, but I think that Stocker didn't miss a game from round six onwards. This is yep. massive for him. Like, absolutely massive. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he one nailed, of our a spo- nailed a spot in our team. Um, and it, it, it just, it'd be safe. I know he had his issues in the hub last year, but there, there wouldn't have been a Carlson supporter at the end of 2020 that wasn't somewhat concerned about him playing five games in his first two years after we traded up for him. Can we just say for a second, how much did he improve this year? Think about when he came he, into the side. He just became a very, he's just become a very reliable player. He's a- Think about when he came into the side. You know, we were we were saying, you know, you know, cut, we were cutting him slack because we didn't think he was a small defender. But we were saying, what like is going on? I like him in the on? back line, yeah. But now, I mean, you look at last night. So, who did he play on last night? He, he was on green for a patch. Yeah, Plowman had green for most of it. But I just I, look at it and I go, well, GWS. I don't think they kicked goals on. No, no, Stock it, Stock it, Stock is just a he's just a good hard player. He's gonna. I think he's gonna stay in the back line. I think he's gonna be Maynard esque. Yeah, which I'm very happy with. So yeah, no, nah, absolutely giving raps to Stock. He's probably our most improved player this year. Yep, or Matt Kennedy. Yeah, Ken. Yeah, that's fair. That's Even fair. Harry Mackay can put his hand up for that oh, award. Well, it would be H. It would absolutely yeah. be H. But if you've Going for someone who's come from the clouds. Yeah, exactly. For sure. Adrian Sal says, A part of me thinks Levi could have stayed on the list as a backup Ruckman and handy VFL mentor, especially considering the rush Ruck issues that we've experienced this year. What do you think? Also worth noting that his wife deleted a post that wished them luck up north next year. Um, yeah, so I think we just touched on yeah. that with Nick. Um, yeah, well, look, if Levi does go I to think the Gold he Coast, had, good he had, luck to He him. had to be moved on. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's fair. He had to be moved on. That's fair. Um, Stephen Tirabassi says, if Clarko comes in, does Andrew Russell stay? I personally think Russell stays regardless. Well, Russell worked with him at Hawthorne, yeah. didn't he? So, yeah, I don't see why not. Um, I think he's saying because he worked with him, they'll keep him then. Oh, gotcha. Um, I think he'll yeah, stay regardless. He should. He's on like a six-year deal, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Uh, Jimmy Faz says, with bets going, are we now weak with small forward options? Other than throwing midfielders there like Cunningham, Fisher, and Gibbons, I do like Honey, but him and Durden had eight disposals between them. Will this be 2022's biggest concern? We're, we're just putting a lot of reliance on these young guys. We, think, we, do, we do need to bring one in. We need to bring one in, but I think... I, th- I, I am absolutely fine with playing Honey, Gibbons... Uh, sorry, Honey, Oes or Durden next year. Two of the three. What... I, one of the three I'm fine with. Two of the three could be a stretch because I don't think Durden's ready to go yeah. into a season starting in our lineup. Probably not. But I think Oe's and Honey, I've spoke about it, the chemistry. I'd love to see them work together because they were brilliant at it in the VFL. They know each other back to front. Um, Would you bring Mitch Wallace in to play in that forward pocket? 
To be honest, no. I'm just not a big Mitch Wallace fan. Fair like p- personally, I just I think he's very slow. I, I, for me, yeah, I think it's a, I slow. think it's a waste of time. I think I'd honestly rather see Durden just you know play Durden. Yeah. Um, Mark Della Torre says, "What was the biggest disappointment of the year? For mine, it was the lack of games or development of a number of our kids: Dow, O'Brien, Petrovsky, Seeding, Kemp, Durden, Owies, Honey, etc." who the majority, when given the opportunity, showed that they should have been given more games. It's a fair call regarding Honey and uh, Dow, O'Brien even. I think Petrovsky Seedon got... He's had a crack for five years, Petrovsky Seedon. I've got no... I think Kemp was injured, couldn't have brought him in earlier. I've got no issues with Samo not playing. Um, But what was the biggest disappointment of the year for me, unequivocally, there was no one more disappointing in season 2021 than Will Setterfield. Mm. We had such big raps on him. There was no one more disappointing. He is in a lot of trouble going into... He's well behind the eight ball where he needs to be. And if we... The improvement of Dow and um, and Kennedy. Um, Kennedy going past him, plus it looks like we're going to bring in George Hewitt and Chera, which adds to that midfield group. It spells Lepinski. a lot of trouble for Setterfield. Mm. Uh Ben Pereira says, does Ed Kern have a spot as a forward pocket going forward? I think he'll stay in our midfield. Yeah, he'll play a similar role. Um, yeah, this is a good one from FDR at Atipore says, what is the most important need on our list and how do we achieve that? Well, I think it's midfielders. Just for me... Well, yeah, we need a bigger midfield group. For me, the forward line and the back line, if they're well coached, we've got enough there. It's the midfield for me. And you look at the Gold Coast Suns game a few weeks ago. They've been slaughtered the last five weeks. And the one game they won, which was against us, was off the back purely off their midfield. Mm. Mm. Our midfield's just not big enough. It's not deep enough. At MS Morell says, Will the review be published to the members and when? What's the board's plan? Uh, We've got absolutely no idea. We don't know what happens within the four walls of the club. But uh, I'd like to see the review. I'd like to see what they found. Oh, and we spoke about this. Especially if they sack Teague. If if we want to, you know, bridge that link between club level and fan level, let us know what you think's wrong with our club. We shouldn't be kept in the dark about, you know, the flaws Mm. of our club. You know, we're paid up members. You know, I, I... I'd love to see... Obviously, we don't have to see the whole thing, but we should have a summarised version at least. Yeah, absolutely. No, they just at least give us a statement of some sorts, which is not vague. Give yeah. us give us something that tells us truthfully this what's happened. has to be bridged. Stephen George says, do you think Honey and Oes would work well in the same forward line? And my response is... Honey shit, and who, sorry? Honey and Oes. Shit, yeah. yeah. Shit, yeah. They're, they're, you know, I love their... I love their chemistry. I watched pretty much... Well, not pretty much. I watched every single VFL game this year live. And absolutely, they have serious chemistry. Uh, they didn't play together once, did they? Or maybe once against the Saints. St. Kilda, yeah. Um, and admittedly, always was down on his own game that game. But nah, this is that duo I'm very excited to see going forward. Um, Damien Birmingham says, How do we as members show our displeasure at the leadership of this club at the executive level... Love or hate Teague, the culture of hanging one of our own out to dry with no support is indicative of the poor culture at the club. The fish rots from the head. Um, We've spoken about this, Bolt. I think we just, as members, what we want is just that bridge to be gapped, as you've said, um, between 
the club and the supporters. At the end of the day, the members of the football club. You yeah. know, we drive the football club. We want to know what's happening. You know, don't be scared to tell us. Don't don't be scared to deliver bad news. Yeah, I agree. You know, like at the end of the day, we've we've been subject to it. We've seen you know years of bad results. You know, we can handle it. I feel like the I feel like the club feel like we can't handle bad news. Yeah, just tell us. You know, it, you know, just yeah, really, really tell us what's going on at club level. Let us in a little bit. You know, let us in. Tell us what's happening and. Just allow us to feel a little bit more of part of the club. Would you agree with that? For sure. Uh, the next one, Arthur at Summers says, The Blues list is full of millennials and these kids are more sensitive and require different stimulus to unleash potential. Clarkson and Lyon are hard asses Without intimidation, how do they coach this next generation? The Malthouse experience says it's going to be very challenging. Um. Yes. It's an interesting conversation. I don't know. It's an area which I'm not great in, I guess. The almost like the psychology of coaching and, you know, man managing these players, I guess, is the concept mm. of the question. But it is tough. As in, look, Lyon, it will be interesting. I'm, I'm not sure. I actually don't know the answer because I'm just not around it. Mm. Now, but-, but it is something you've got to get right. Yeah, they have to. The psychological side of it is almost just as important. Yeah. Um, we're done the Twitter questions, and I should have brought these up when Nick was on the show, but we'll quickly run through a few of them. We asked you, Blue Baggers, on Twitter to list your single favorite Eddie Betts moment on or off the field. And Blue Baggers, if you're tuning in and you don't, and you don't follow us on Twitter, uh, chuck us a follow at Blues Footy. We'll be providing a lot of updates during the offseason, especially around the trade period. We'll do our best to keep... You guys in the loop of everything that we hear, um, we'll just let you know about it. So, the first one from Blues News says, Player sponsors dinner this year. He came around to ask us if we've had a good night and then got us lost inside the restaurant trying to leave. He's an awesome guy. We will miss him. Uh, Talbot Henry says, I was at the SCG this season to see the one-hander against the Swans. Same. It was brilliant. I was at that yes. Yeah. Awesome. That was great. Um, Cam Dempster. I forgot about that goal. Cam Dempster says his goal against Fremantle round three this year. First time I'd mm. watched the great man live since 2013. The noise of the crowd and the Eddie chat made me feel like life was normal again. I will miss you, Eddie. Thank you for everything over the journey. You provided us with so much joy. That Eddie chat was good that afternoon. Yeah, it all, it was awesome. Uh, Lockie Egg says the Bunana from the pocket against the big after the big melee. With Fev and Didak at the G. Yep, massive. That, that one goal of the year. Yep, yep. Matthew Miller says, The game in Sydney this year, I was on the rails above the cheer squad. There was a random Carlton dude behind me. When Eddie kicked that goal right in front of us, we turned, looked at each other in the eyes, and it was absolutely mental. The Swans members did not know what hit them. Bolt, was that you who locked eyes with him? No, I was sitting in the middle of the Sydney members by myself. So... <laughs> Um, the Trooper says, besides that 2011 goal against Essendon, when we became friends on Bebo, remember Bebo? I can't say. I don't. I don't know what Bebo is, but sounds pretty cool. It was a great goal, though. Yeah. Jim Fiddler says, that Essendon goal, just brilliant. Can agree there, Jim. Uh, Ashley King says, I was watching Eddie live, and I was behind the goals about 15 to 20 rows back, and I swear I called out, kick it from there, Eddie. He snapped it from the pocket, gold, and I swear he pointed right at me. 
Uh, yeah, it is awesome. And you feel like he would do that, Eddie. He absolutely would. Um, Amy says, all of the times the three amigos did their magical things. That is why I fell in love with Eddie and why he's my favorite player. See, how good would it have been if the three amigos were, st- if, like, were there for that last yeah, night? Yeah, and it could, they could have been. Like, Jeffy yeah. and Yaz. Yeah. Like, they were iconic, those three. I feel like Malthouse just killed that. He just walked in and killed that. Yeah, well, they all left under Malthouse's tutelage. Yeah. But that would have been... So- how nice would that have been if you had those two... Those two carrying Eddie off. Oh, that would have... Nah, that, that would have been too much that to watch. Yeah, that would have almost been one of the greatest moments in history. That, that- and Garland and Yaron carry bets off the field. Would have oh. been, yeah. That would have been serious areas. <laughs> yeah, I, the, the tears would have just been streaming down. That would have been nuts. Um, Matt Gandolfo says, Eddie, Jeffrey, and Yaz tearing Geelong a new one on the MCG. And you know I what? I think Easter Monday 2010. Yeah, 2011. Oh, 2010, 2010 round five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. That was, I remember being at that game. That was bloody awesome. Um, Even when those three went nuts two weeks later against St Kilda on the Monday night. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. I think Jeffrey kicked seven. I don't know if it was seven, but he, he went a berserk lot. against yeah. them once. Uh, Mark Eunice says, I was at training in 2007. The players were called in and Eddie was the last player left. He was my favorite player then and still is. Eddie was called in and I started crying because he walked off. He saw me crying and he came and took a photo with me and signed my top. That is awesome, Mark. Um, Carl O'Keefe says his whole career is a highlight can second that uh jack says a torp after the siren against melbourne when we won about 10 goals when we won by about 10 goals that would have been ooh ooh i, I think in 2011 we beat them at mar at etihad by about 10 goals on a saturday afternoon there was a game in 2009 or 10 where we beat them in the wet at the g maybe by about 10 mm. goals yeah i can't remember the torp though to be honest Jackson Fry says, round 6, 2011, four goals in the wet to sink the Swans. A great night at the SCG. Great night at the SCG, but that's a C. Judd night. <laughs> that's not an Eddie Bent. That's a Chris Judd night. <laughs> uh, and Joe says, that Geelong tackle. Yeah, yeah unreal. Yeah. Blue Baggers, what a show. Would absolutely uh, love to thank Nick for coming on. Bolt, thank you. Now, Blue Bag is tuning in. We're not done yet. We're not done yet for this year. Plenty more to come. Bolt, we will be back. We'll be back before the... Look, we may be back for an emergency show this week or in the upcoming we'll weeks. see what happens. But uh, in terms of trade period, last year we recorded a little summary episode every day. We'll do it again this year, providing, you know, whether it be on Zoom or in person, whatever COVID allows us to do. We have hooked up our mics to the computer here, so we are... Hoping that we can do this, uh, hopefully we can do it in person, but hopefully we can do this at least during our, yeah, during the trade period. So Blue Baggers, be sure to follow us on our socials to keep in the loop. But uh, yeah, we are not done yet. We'll be back for a lot more during the off-season. Bolt, thank you. Uh, hopefully I can see you soon in person. It would be <laughs> be lovely to do that. But uh, yeah, Blue Baggers, stay strong during these tough times and we will speak to you all soon. And hopefully uh, that Round one next year, we can farewell that group of players. Blue Baggers, thank you for tuning in to this week's edition and the very last edition of our reviews for 2021 for the Blues Footy Podcast.